You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, happy Wednesday and welcome to Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and with me in the Zoom room, I've got Drake. And if you don't know us by now, well, you probably have already learned that we're fans first because my voice is still hoarse on Tuesday night from screaming my head off in Dope Campbell Stadium. I hope yours is too. I hope by Wednesday you're on the road to recovery. Drake, how are you doing, buddy? My voice is slowly, slowly getting better. Um, I feel great, though. We had a great football game. Isn't it just great, Max, that we actually have something to look forward to to talk about this week after that amazing game on Sunday? I feel like a new man. I feel like I was rebaptized uh, to some degree. I feel honestly better than I felt during a week in the fall in a very long time. I will say this at the top of the show because I've probably said it a dozen times out loud. It's the first time in my life as a red-blooded American that I genuinely believe a game should have ended in a tie. I think that Notre Dame played a great game. They made first-week mistakes. I think we showed a lot of grit, a lot of heart. We played a great game. We made week one mistakes, but I genuinely don't feel like either team lost that game. I know that the scoreboard says otherwise, but I just think it was an incredible game by both teams. And I left that stadium feeling so proud of that football team, frustrated we lost. No one likes losing, but I haven't felt like that about a Florida State football team probably since we beat Michigan in 2016. Yeah, I mean, like, Max, you were there with me. Like, you try, we try to be optimistic, and me, I'm like, listen, give me the the night right now to be extremely just frustrated and borderline pissed off, because I thought the game was extremely winnable, you know, due to certain, you know, decisions. But at the end of the day, you're right, that that basically was the most positive thing that I think we've seen as a whole with the team. I mean, I loved what I saw. I mean, the atmosphere was electric. The team looked great. We are hitting fire on all cylinders, and Going forward, I think this team is something that to be reckoned with. Not, honestly, I, I even predicted nine wins before the season started. I feel a lot more confident in that, and maybe we might sneak another one too because that's how good we played and that's how well we were coached. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a second. But, folks, if you haven't done it yet, make sure you go rate the show five stars. I know we met a lot of y'all out this week. It was cool. I will say for the first time ever, I've interacted with some of y'all on social media, and I love doing it. But for the first time ever, someone saw us, saw the locked on thing on our tailgate and kind of approached us. That was neat. So thanks for doing that. Um, I don't know. I've never really had fans before. So that was cool. Getting into that stadium with Charlotte, with my friends, with 60,000 friends all wearing Florida State stuff, I thought was just incredible. I mean, that atmosphere, that is, it was literally like, I felt like Tom Hanks on the island in Castaway falling in love with my wife again. I mean, it was one of those moments of, I remembered what college football was, but there was a second during that second quarter where I looked over and Charlotte's, she's four years old. She's screaming her head off while we're on defense, just like I'm doing. You're in front of me. Dave's right in front of me. Cam's next to me. Everyone's screaming. You, can, you can't hear yourself think. And then we got to stop. And it was like, okay, that's why, like, I'm high-fiving random strangers. I mean, that's what college football is all about. So just to have that back was cool. And then to not lose by 40, which we did a lot last year, that was also pretty cool. 
It was dope. And also, I think the fact of the matter is that it felt like the world felt normal. Sometimes, you know, you take vacations to go away, you know, to like, to like make sure to see, get away from everything. And like being in that stadium for, I think it was what, four hours that we were there, I mean, four and a half hours. It just felt like yeah. everything around the world was just, just stop for a second. Just like it, the magic of dope just like took over everything. And you're right. Like looking at you, looking at Rick and Dave, Charlotte, you know, like, like giving me a high five. Even Cam was standing up and screaming too, which I thought was just astounding for Cam. So like literally like yeah. that was, yeah, that was he doesn't great, have money on the time. game. He usually doesn't get that excited about it. So that was pretty cool. He did though. <laughs> yeah. Well, he had it the other, he had it the other way. I've never seen that man so happy to lose some money. You're absolutely right. And then, you know, we're going to talk about folks. We're going to talk about our biggest takeaway from the team. We're going to talk about the QB situation. Don't worry. We'll roll right into that. Cause we know that's on the tip of all of your tongues. Then we're going to revisit the goals that Dave and I set for this game, kind of see how we did against it. And we're going to look ahead either today or tomorrow, depending on how much time we take up to leg two of the season, which we've defined as this weekend up through UNC. But before we do that, Susan and Adri, don't skip ahead. I wanted to tell a story that I haven't gotten a chance to tell. And I remember when we were doing the Bobby Bowden tribute, which if you haven't seen it, look it up on YouTube. Band spells out Bobby. Well, first they're all in the formation of the hat logo that's now become synonymous with Bobby Bowden, but they formed Bobby, spelled it out on the field, and they did Amazing Grace, which, you know, is especially if you're religious, that's that's an important song. If you're not, still makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. And they asked everyone to turn their cell phone light on. I had this weird memory. When I was a kid, I was terrified of the dark, like really scared of the dark. Like I, my dad let my brother watch darkness falls too young. It's, it scared the piss out of me and I couldn't sleep. I mean, for, for weeks I couldn't sleep. And my mom found this article in the Tallahassee Democrat that was Jeff Bowden talking about how he was scared of the dark and he sleeps with a nightlight. And he says in the article in his quote, but dad, he sleeps with every light in the house on. And it just made me think as a kid, knowing that Bobby Bowden was scared of the dark too, all of a sudden made it okay. And then I, I was probably seven or eight. I didn't feel bad about having a nightlight anymore. And obviously I got over it, but um, what a weird way a football coach can impact a young kid's life and just seeing everyone's cell phone light on while they're doing the tribute to him uh, brought that memory up that I guess had long since been buried. So I don't know. We can, I just wanted to share that story. If that's all right, Drake, sometimes it's our platform. I like to, I like to be indulged a bit, but let's get your biggest takeaway from the game, buddy, for the teams as a whole, What's the number one thing on the tip of your tongue you want to talk about? Not quarterbacks, though. We're going to get to those in a minute, but other than quarterbacks. So for those of you that have been listening since day one, September 17th, 2020, y'all know how I feel about a Mr. Adam James Fuller. I don't know if you're in his middle name. I'm just going to assume that. The defense yesterday was probably the best I think I've ever seen since maybe 2017. And... The one thing that really sparked me that there's a, that this is a problem, this might be a different Adam Fuller. His press conference today, he was asked about the blitz call on third and 17. Now, me, Dave, and I, and Max sometimes as well, have been very, very frustrated with his very weak zone covers that he used to call on third and longs. And the fact of the matter is, he was asked about that play call. I was like, listen, I messed up. I made the wrong call. I made a bad call, but there was a right call at, this, at that time. It was aggressive, and he's trying to do that. And to me, that shows someone that's willing to, you know, be aggressive, put it all out on the line. I think now that he understands that he's coaching, he's on a hot seat right now. He also understands that Mike Norvell has provided him with 
new weapons and new toys to play with on said defense. And the play calling to me was amazing. I don't care. The scoreline is 41 points. This man coordinated a defense, schemed it up to prevent a team that had 365 rushing yards with two running backs, one of them being a potential Heisman candidate, to only 65 yards total. And Adam Fuller, if you keep this up, I would love for you to stay here because that, to me, like I can now see what you mean by you put players in their right position and put them in a spot to execute and you do your plan properly and keep it up, man, because right, that was the biggest takeaway I had from Sunday outside of quarterbacks. And we talked about that quite a bit, neither in favor or in opposition to Adam Fuller. But I did say, hey, here's how you need to watch the game. You need to see if guys are in the right position, but they're missing tackles. That's the guy. If they're not in the right position, they don't look like they know what they're doing. That's that's just, you know, that's coaching. It was so awesome to, for the first time in years, I don't mean like once or twice, it was almost every play to watch you could see from where we were sitting how the run fits were happening. Guys were taking on one-on-one blocks, D-tackles. Holy shit. I was worried about Kier Thomas at DN because, frankly, he's a little – I think he's kind of got that weird tweener size. That guy, the way he takes on a double team, you could see it from across the, the, the stadium. He's got, that guy hands. Is, he's got heavy hands. He's got heavy bro. hands. He's oh, mean. He gets in there. You, and, then, and then the linebackers slide in, and then you just see one guy hits the running back. Next thing you know, there's – Four hats on him, five hats on him, six hats on him. It's Stephen Austin, you know, counting his beers. And there were so many times where I got to hear a sound from the mouth of Gene Deckerhoff I haven't gotten to hear. The best thing Gene Deckerhoff says is, brought down by a host of Seminoles. Like when he can't even call a number because nine guys just leveled Kayvon Austin. I guess that's the receiver, sorry. Chris Tyree. That's incredible. It's fun to watch. And I'll tell you what, Getting hit in the thigh and falling down after three yards when you almost broke a, bat, a big run, that kind of sucks. Having six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys hit you repeatedly at the line of scrimmage, that makes your night just miserable. One player that I actually also like, I think is a testament to how Fuller is actually getting these kids to buy in, is Kalen Deloach. Kalen Deloach was probably one of our best linebackers in coverage yesterday. I mean, it was on Sunday. And not only that, Remember on that broken play, the third and 17, the very long run, Kalen Dillowich runs 50 yards and prevents that touchdown. I thought he was gone. I think everyone in the stadium thought he was gone. He was able to bring him down. And to me, that just shows that he this buy-in with his defense, it's real. And it's coming from a kid that has gone through one from Taggart, was a star last year, didn't play at all, and now is starting and taking advantage of it. And to me, that's showing that Adam Fuller actually has the faith in these kids. And that's something that I wanted to see a lot more of. And I didn't think they had it. Apparently they do. I agree. And that's to me, the hallmark of good coaching are kids playing above their talent level. And the answer on Sunday was yes, that team. If you put those two teams on paper, there was no reason we should have taken that game to overtime. I mean, the computers we were looking at when we were making gambling picks, some had Florida state losing by as much as 18. Some had it, you know, a 12 point game, but a lot of people using data, using analytics, using I won't say artificial intelligence, but machine learning type stuff, algorithms, if you will. We're looking at this going seven points is a steal here. And because of what the coaches have been able to do with the talent they have on the field and what they've done in the transfer portal, those algorithms, those computers, that machine learning was all wrong. Now, before we go on, (laughs) before we go on and we get to the quarterbacks, which is what I know we want to talk about. I do want to throw one more stat out to just pat the D-line on the back. Last year, 
they had two guys run for over 100 yards. Dave's goal, he said, I don't want more than one guy to run for 100 yards. We held their entire team to 65 yards. I think 73 when you include sacks or exclude sacks. I'm sorry. Tyron Williams last year, the same running back, had two runs, both for touchdowns, that were each longer than his entire yards from scrimmage total was on Sunday. Think about that. You want to know if this D-line's gotten better? You want to know if these linebackers have gotten better? You want to know if our projection for the season should be better? One guy last year had two individual runs longer than what he did on, I believe it was 20 carries on Sunday night. And to me, that's just absolutely baffling. But if you find betting absolutely baffling, you want to go to a place that has a lot of options, right? If you go to a place that only has a few, that's how the book beats you. So you really should be using betonline.ag. We're going to bring him on again for a Saturday special. You guys know I'm not the gambler. It's just I'm retired. Not my thing. I love talking about the lines. I love doing the prediction. And I know a lot of you guys like the action. So, hey, if you like to bet, betonline.ag. Go make your account now. Use promo code locked on so you can come back on Saturday. Get Danny Domino's picks. Who, what did he go, Drake? Four and one last Saturday? He went four and one last Saturday. The four bank and one, roll including builder. the bankroll builder. So that means if you'd bet one unit on every single one of Danny Domino's bets, you would have won, let's see, three for his lock. So you would have won three units. You would have won 1.8 for his bankroll builder. So that's one. Was it 4.8? And then you would have lost 1.1 unit on the loss because no one's perfect. Yeah. You would, you'd be setting up uh, 3.7 units right now. And if, you know, a unit to use 100 bucks, that's, 30, that's, you know, $370 doesn't matter, but make your account betonline.ag Drake and Danny Domino will have the picks for you throughout the week. And folks, if you're like me and, you know, maybe you're retired from wagering on specific games, you need something else to get you through uh, daily fantasy. That's my thing. I've tried the major ones and I've decided that, you know, that's kind of my gig. Cause I like the individual players. I like watching the games, seeing how they do. Uh, but through this job, it put me on the stat hero. So Stat Hero is the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts you in control, makes winning a lot easier than it should be. I, I don't know how they make money, but hey, it makes it easier to win. Basically, you go to Stat Hero, they show you their lineup, and they dare you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You get to see, hey, am I smarter than these computers? You're in control. It's daily fantasy the way it was meant to be, one-on-one. And if you're like me and you're competitive, well, I don't know. I think it's a lot of fun to play one guy or one computer or one girl. Honestly, don't know who's behind that screen. Then it is to play like 2,000 people who you can't really uh, rub it in their face if you win. So, guys, go to statahero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free. You can get three times back on your first play. You do 100, 300 back. You guys know how multiples work. That's right. 300% match. So, go to statahero.com slash locked on. Get some daily fantasy, some 1v1 action. Add it to your bankroll builder that you're going to get this week. All that good stuff. Stathero.com slash locked on. All right, folks. So you've heard our stories. You've heard our biggest takeaways. But let's get down to what you want to talk about. And that's the quarterback situation. Drizzy, we've had a few days to ruminate on it. I know that it was a feel-good story seeing KZ come back in, seeing KZ do what he did. And him throwing a completion would have been awesome, right? You come back from that injury. You're able to get back on a college field. You're able to throw a completion, but he did so much more than that. I mean, 
him coming off the bench and doing what he did would have been incredible had he never been injured. And so for him to do it following the injury just makes it that much cooler. And honestly, for the first time ever, it felt like the national media didn't hate us for five minutes. So that was neat as well. That being said, I can't take away the fact that Jordan Travis hung in there. He didn't have his best game by any means, and he scored 28 points on probably the third or fourth best defense we'll play all year. Maybe even the second best, depending on, you know, how bad Georgia's offense really was. We got to see if Clemson's got a great defense or if Kirby just can't move the ball. How are you feeling about the quarterback situation right now on Tuesday night as we record this? I think we found our quarterback at McKenzie Milton. And so one of the things that what I want to look for was to Jordan Travis develop as a passer. And that includes to me, you know, Howard's deep throws, intermediate throws. And also one of the big things I looked for was his, you know, his foot movement, his footwork. Now, hit that deep ball he threw to uh, Ja'Kai Douglas for the 60-yard touchdown, as you know, you do use a baseball, baseball term, was absolute butter. That thing was perfect. That thing was smooth. He just spread that out. That was phenomenal. That was probably – that was similar from the Jacksonville State game last year where he underthrew. I want to say it was Terry or Keyshawn and caught a touchdown pass. That, to me, was right on time. was perfect. Now, with the next, the next series, the next drive, he overthrows – I want to say it's Andrew Parchment on the boundary side who when he had 15, maybe nobody within 15 to 20, I guess, yards around him. And you can say what you want that it went through his hands. You shouldn't have to have your wide receiver when you're wide open like that, jump up like three to four feet off the air to catch the ball. And on one more thing with Jordan Travis, he did keep us in the game, but there were a lot of plays where when he finally did get time in the pocket, and because we, we all know the offensive line, at like we'll talk about that a little later, didn't play as great against the defensive line that we saw. When he did have time, he panicked a little bit more. And I think he went through with the – he reserved to scrambling way too early when his first read wasn't there or it didn't fully develop. So, to me, Jordan Travis still needs time to develop. So, I, per, in my personal opinion, you need to sit him down because Mackenzie Milne, and I think evident from the, that one third and 11, the pass over to Keyshawn Heldon with a blitzer right in his face, poison the pocket, that's what you need right there. That's what you need moving forward to win some games. So, I, I think the opposite – of what you just said about him scrambling too much. I almost think that Jordan is still trying to find his identity and that there were certain times where he should have just taken off. I think he's too much in that mode of don't be the same Travis, you know, try to hang in there and make the throw. And it's like, dude, you're good at one thing. Like just, just freaking do it. You know, almost like, so I agree with you that I think some development would be great for him. I think, He's absolutely developed as a passer. I think his arm looked better. I think his throws are crisper. But I don't know. It's it's almost like when you're trying to learn something new, you start to unlearn the good parts of your old habit. And it's like, no, no, keep the good stuff. You know, that touchdown he threw to Parchment was absolutely beautiful. Pocket breaks down. No reason to get out of there. Rolls around, zips it into his stomach. And it's like, that's great. But you're right. There were so many times where he would scramble and he'd get outside the pocket and it was, you know what I mean? It was almost like he wanted to prove to himself he could make a throw. And it's like, dude, you had 15 yards. Just go. Yeah. See, like that's where we got a capable backup. Yeah. That's where I diverged there a little bit to me. I think he just started to panic a little bit uh, and try to do it too much again with that. Like that's kind of like, I agree with you. He does, he does panic, but then he like, if you're going to panic and you're Jordan Travis, go run for 30 yards. I'm saying he would start to panic. He'd leave the pocket, but then he'd catch himself and be like, wait, wait, no, no, look downfield. It's like, no, no, at this point, like, you're already out of the pocket, bro. Just go, just go. Like, you'll get 15, 20 yards off of that. So that's where you end up with a lot of those weird plays where he doesn't cross the line of scrimmage, he makes a 
throw. I don't know. I, I think when you're trying to change the identity of someone, it's not going to happen overnight. So having KZ there for Jordan to sit behind, I think is a huge blessing. I think Jordan needs to get used. I would hate to see him only used for his legs because frankly, KZ won't be here next year, but I agree with you. I think number one QB got to be KZ right now. He's the better quarterback, gives you a better chance to win and he makes less mistakes. I think with Jordan, at least from what I saw, the ceiling with Jordan Travis, even from a throwing perspective on the deep ball to me is higher, but the floor is a lot lower. I agree with that. Actually, I, a really good comp, I think. You're not going to like this, but like he actually is a very good quarterback. I think Dylan Gabriel is actually the perfect you know, comp actually for Jordan Travis right now. One, slippery. Two, actually he's great that. athletic. And three, from that deep ball that I saw, in, in the words of Adrian Peterson, when I seen him throw that ball, literally him and Dylan Gabriel have, I think, the same arm, same arm talent, same arm strength. And to me, that's actually someone that we – if he can be that, that would be honestly – awesome with this kind of offense. Yeah. And look, he had a couple other great ones, right? There was like a third and 16 late in the game when we were down 20, 38, that he also rolled out of the pocket and nailed a first down on, uh, I think it was two plays before his helmet got knocked off. I here, here's what I, here's where I'm coming from. Yeah. I am agreeing with all of you listening to this, that I think Casey is your QB one right now, but I don't think you have to besmirch what honestly to me was a very good performance against a top 10 team to build up your guy. Like, I think they both had very good games. I think Travis, to me, at least you can't watch any of the games really from last year and then watch that performance and go, okay, he hasn't gotten better. I think he made mistakes. I think he's got probably a, I don't want to say long way, but if he, you know, if we want to win ACC championships, he's got to make another big step forward. But I think he had a great night. I think had KZ not come off the bench, we lose by 10, it would have still sucked. But again, their top 10 team that's been recruiting at an insane clip, we're not. So I think KZ is the better quarterback. I think he's QB1. I just, I almost feel like someone's got to advocate for the step forward that Jordan Travis has taken as well. Oh, yeah. No, I like if you watch that game and you think he still took a, took a regression as a passer, then you don't know football and you didn't watch the damn game. And I don't believe you if you said you did. He actually did legitimately improve his arm. He really, really did. I do, you, I do see where you mean, where he's like trying to stay in the pocket a little bit more. To me, still the footwork, it's similar to when I see someone with their batting stance and like they they change everything. And then when they're in a slump, they try to go back to bad habits. Like that to me is what I saw with Jordan Travis over the course of the game. He needs to be more more comfortable under pressure. I think Brandon Sano from 247 said that when he was facing pressure, Jordan Travis, I think, I think his QBR was like 19.7. Whereas if he wasn't, it was 187, which is absolutely insane. But to me, like, you can't say that he did not improve because he did. Do I think it was a great performance? No, I think he had several great explosive plays. I think that's like, to me, that's the best thing you could say about Jordan did because I think he was carried a lot by Treshawn Ward and Jason Corbin. Yeah, you know, I think it actually reminded me a lot of, I think you'll like this comparison. You know, you know, almost the exact game it reminded me of just with a slightly different outcome. What? Reminded me a lot of DeAndre Francois' performance that Michigan game. We're like, that game was all Dalvin. And then, like, one beautiful deep dime he threw to Nyquan Murray. But wasn't – he was, what, 7 of 21 that game? 9 of 21. Of, 9 of 21, right. So, he like have an incredible yards. performance, but he did, like, enough to win. Now, Jordan didn't do enough to win, but this team also doesn't have Dalvin Cook. It reminded me a lot of that performance. So, again, I'm, I'm on the KZ train, but I want to talk about 
how our goals aligned with, with what we saw in the field, what we had kind of set as our key performance indicators. And then I want to go back into individual positions because, you know, we had a top 10 pass blocking offensive lineman as a per PFF. We got to give him a shout out. Some of our young receivers, those guys were incredible. I think I won't spoil it, but I believe one of our receivers was a top five receiver in the country in a pass block or in run blocking. I'm sorry. When's the last time you, Drake, before we tell the folks about, uh, about built bar, when's the, when's the last time you saw a Florida state wide receiver, not once, but multiple times driving running back or uh, cornerbacks off to the sidelines. And we saw that several times. On I Sunday think the night. only person I can like really think of is like maybe Keith Gavin his freshman year, 2017. Cause that was the yeah. only thing he was good at. So we saw a lot in those positions folks. And, and I imagine it was because the team was focused, locked in and most importantly, well-fueled. And if you have focus and you have being locked in, but you're not well-fueled, well, you're missing one full part of the equation. So do what I've been telling you to do for, I don't know, how long have we known each other now? Five months, maybe, maybe even longer. If you were here for Knowles Anonymous and get some, uh, some built bars, builtbar.com, promo code locked 15, L-O-C-K-E-D, one five, you get a 15% off your order. You get delicious, nutritious built bars right at your door. Guys, they're the ultimate hybrid weapon to have on your offense. They taste like a candy bar. They hit like a protein bar and they have the carbs of whatever is not a lot of carbs. I don't, I don't know, but you get my point. They're a hybrid weapon to have. They're a real good gadget player. It's like a Christian McCaffrey for your pantry. So get yourself some built bars. Go to builtbar.com, promo code LOCK15. So I want to look at a couple of our goals here, Drake, and kind of go back. Now, obviously, look, we're realistic. I know Mike Norvell is not sitting, you know, sitting in the room going, hey guys, here's what Locked On Seminoles said the goals were. But we made these and I think we did a pretty good job. We we didn't look through the lens for this game of how do you win the game necessarily? We said, what do we need to see in each of these various position groups, situations, all of those things to make us feel like, okay, the team's headed in the right direction. Well, Notre Dame's since concluded. And I kind of want to see how we did. So Dave's first goal, he said that the Notre Dame running backs had 288 yards and three touchdowns, blah, blah, blah. Didn't want to see uh, even one guy get a hundred yards. We kind of touched on this earlier. Guys, Williams had 2.3 yards per carry on 18 carries. Tyree was a little more productive with 31 yards on seven carries and a touchdown, but all in all, we completely shut them down the run game. I simply said my number one thing, I wanted to see them play for all four quarters. Drake, I think we're in agreement that by outscoring a top 10 team 18 to zero in the fourth quarter, this team finally played for all four quarters. Not only that, if you look at our stats for yardage, we outgained them. Total yards for passing and rushing by 20. I think they have 421. I think we had 445 from the, top, from the top of my head. And yeah, I mean, that was the one big thing that we were worried about was we did not want to get blown out, but also we wanted to you know, actually be able to field a competent team, mainly because if you look across college football, every offense was absolutely dreadful. I don't care who you are. If you weren't Alabama, you did not look good. And yes, and Sunday, we started off pretty slow. We can all agree on that. But I think at the end of the day, at the end of the game, we're like, wow, we, I can actually see legitimate strides with this offense. And that's the one big thing because the playbook seemed to be opened up a little bit, especially after KZ came in. So another thing that Dave and I talked about was on defense, not getting behind the chains, so to speak on first down, right? Not giving up a bunch of 
seven, eight, nine-yard gains on first down because this team was dreadful at that last year. Dave kept it pretty simple. He said he wanted to see once per drive, Notre Dame gets a gain of less than three on first down. Guys, we did that 15 times. 15 times. Notre Dame got less than three yards on first down. In fact, and this goes to my goal, I wanted their average yardage on second down to be six or worse. Dave literally laughed and said, okay, dude, let's have some real goals. That was his response. Notre Dame's average second down starting position was second and 8.5. That means their average gain on a first down was 1.5 yards. I can't even begin to explain what that says about the leap this defense has taken. Because, folks, we're not having name syndrome, right? We didn't do that to Jacksonville State, and now we're prepping you for the Notre Dame game. We held a top-10 team in the country with a back who, as Drake said, according to Las Vegas, was a Heisman hopeful to 1.5 yards per first down play. That's wild. It's beautiful. It really is. And I know one of the big things that I kind of harp on was like week one, don't overreact to what you see really. Because you see a lot of teams out there that lost. I'm looking at you, UNC, that yep. or Virginia Tech, you know, winning and now being ranked, which is an absolute joke. You can't take them, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. That being said, our defense is top 10 in the league. We did so damn good overall. Our cornerbacks look solid. Our defensive line actually got to the passer. And yep. if it wasn't for Jack Cohn, who actually played probably the best game of his entire life, we probably could have beaten Notre Dame by 10 to 15 points. Our defense is a huge credit to that and scheming-wise. And just it was – we met those goals and, like, those goals, when y'all made them, we're listening, I'm like, I'm like, it's so sad that these are the goals that we make because we used to be just do this all the time. And the fact that we hit those, and not only we hit those, we hit those with that kind of consistency is yep. really, really hopeful for the rest of the year. And just because I don't want anyone screaming at the radio, yes, we're aware Jordan Travis doesn't throw three picks, also could have had a similar effect to Jack Cohen having a great game. So don't act like we're not the huge apologists here. We're aware interceptions are bad. Another stat I really like, Drake, and this was insane. Last year, Notre Dame had seven third downs. That's if the team gets seven third downs, yeah, if they only have seven third downs, that means they're converting a lot of second and first downs, and they're just scoring a lot of touchdowns, all of which they did. This time, they did not convert 77% of their second downs. That means on 77% of the time when they got to second down, they also had to go to third down in which we held them to six of 17, which is our goal was a third. That's basically a third. Six out of 18 would have been, you know, it's, it's 35%. So that means, let me do some quick math here. Y'all know, if you don't know me, you know, I love to nerd out on the spreadsheet. That means if we got them to second down, their average starting field position was second and 8.5. And they had a 27% chance to get a first down. That's, that's insane. When you, Now, that's probably everybody that plays Clemson, Alabama has that, but this is the same defense that last year let Pittsburgh score like 45 points, got dog-walked by Miami, let Louisville basically kick off 2-2 Atwell's Heisman campaign that only lasted one week until he played like a real defense. I mean, it's incredible to see this kind of improvement. And to put that in perspective for you, if you say, Max, are you just using numbers outside out of context like you accuse people of doing so frequently to make me think that you're right? No, I'm not, because I go over to the other side. We had 24 second downs. Notre Dame had 22. We did not convert 66% of ours. Let me flip that just to make it easy on your brain. 
They converted 23% of their third downs. We converted 34% of our third or second downs. So that means on second down, we were 14% more likely to get a first down than they were. I will admit we were abysmal on first down. I don't know what happened, but our average starting position on second down was 8.9. We were terrible on first down, but we converted our second downs really well. And we were also seven for 16 on third down. That's a hell of an improvement from last year. We held them to a 35% third down conversion. We had a 43% third down conversion rate. So guys, you think about where this offense was last year. And that means, you know, if we got to second down, even though our average was 2.9, which we've said a dozen times, we've got to stay out of long down distance. We still had a 29% chance of getting a first down from there. Not on that play, but either on that play or on third down. The fact that we were better in that now made up statistical category than Notre Dame, that, that shows you, A, how far our defense has come, that we held them to that, and B, that our offense played a pretty solid, consistent game. Final thing I wanted to point out, Drake, and then we'll stop giving people the, you know, Max's math corner. We wanted to have one three and out. We literally laughed and we said, can we please just have one three and out? We got four, four three and outs. You know how many the Irish got on us? Now I know they had three turnovers, but do you know how many they got on us? I'm going to say two. Three. And technically, in a way, we got five, but, you know, that fifth one, they got a field goal that won it in overtime. But nonetheless, that's incredible because last year, this defense couldn't make anyone get a three and out. So, all in all, dude, that's Max's math corner, and I am incredibly proud of this defense. Folks, I think that's pretty much going to wrap us up for today, and that's really all we have to say about that. Now, we have a ton to talk about about the Notre Dame game still. We still haven't gotten to the O-line. We still haven't gotten to the running backs. We really haven't gotten to the wide receivers. So we have a huge day in store for y'all tomorrow. Make sure you come by to Locked On Seminoles. We're here every day of the week, except for, you know, this Tuesday, because like I said, even the best players get hurt. Our voices were down, but we're back for you. So we will be here Monday through Friday. Make sure you follow us so we pop up to the top of your queue. I'm Max, that was Drake, and this was Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody. Goodbye, Dave.